Oh. Hey, Frank. <laughs> oh, shit. We got to turn the air conditioner off. It smells like farts in here, but it's probably your dog, huh? Yeah. Can you lean over and just hit off on the air conditioner? Yeah. yeah. It's going to get hot, but it's, it's just too loud. And my commitment to quality audio uh, comes from- It's hot, hot as shit outside, though. Steamy. Very. I was jumping rope in, in a basketball court about an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when you said you, I, I would love prison? I was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. I was like in a, in a black top jumping rope by myself. Yeah. Because um, I try to do it in my backyard, but it's like too tight. So. Yeah. Prison's basically the same thing. He's, yeah. That's Except there's the risk of getting some, your Someone's going to stab me <laughs> for doing it. Um, welcome to July 2020. Yeah. Everything's um, still the same. Totally It's just the same. a hotter day. It's, uh, I, I, I feel like this year I didn't even feel the transition to summer. You know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of did. I mean, there wasn't that like hot girl day. Yeah, yeah. That every, every, every year normally has. That's the beginning of summer, which just, you know, everybody decides to wear a skirt and you lose your mind walking down the, down the street or yeah. on your way to work. Didn't really happen this year. That one day where everyone <clears throat> in the city's nether regions wake up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that didn't happen, unfortunately. We're just... You know, just a hot day. Just endlessly hot days. Yeah. Tomorrow's going to be 99 out. No, thanks. Yeah. Uh, so I, it feels like proper summer. I had a, a week off, which felt like my summer vacation. Yeah. It was honestly, so I, I had a week off. I didn't do too much. I went to see you in your new home. Yeah. With Chattington. I went to the Jersey Shore and I went to see my sister in Maryland. Um, not much, nothing crazy, but... Uh, now that I'm back at my normal life, it's this contrast of how dull it is is really apparent to me. Yeah. Everything seemed mostly fine until I got back to, back to work. Yeah. After you guys came to visit, uh, I was talking to Chad and <clears throat> I, like we were talking about just how nice it is to be able to get outside and like run around and like just kind of like physically move yeah. around and do stuff. And, uh, and my wife was saying that um, I seem much more alive and happy at the house we bought um, oh, while good. we're there. And it's because I just never sit still. Right. And, right, right, right. and like to, you know, you were saying you notice this contrast between like your, your current daily life and, you know, how it was like kind of put into sharp relief against your week off. Yeah. Like after going upstate and like, you know, cutting the grass and doing all kinds of like menial tasks that keep me moving around all day. I was just thinking like, I spent the last four months just melting into an office chair. <laughs> Pretty much just waking up. Yep. Sitting down in front of the computer exactly. and just being on the internet. Yep. For eight hours. Yeah. On Friday I had a pretty busy day at work and I got up at nine thirty. I slept in a little bit late cause I was working late the night before started working at 10 didn't leave my desk till like 9.30. It's just no way to live, man. No way to fucking live. So I call my dad. I'm sitting at my desk and I'm trying to, you know, I'm getting pretty like feeling down about the day. <clears throat> and um, so I had this idea. I'm trying to like book a zip car on my phone yeah. while, while I'm working. Looking for any weekend in August. Just any weekend coming up just to book a random trip just to get out of town. And it's all booked on zip car. Everything right. is booked. So I decide I'm going to call my dad and be like, look, let me borrow one of your cars for the summer and I'll pay you a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. I was willing to give my dad $500. That's reasonable. Which seemed totally fair for a month borrowing his car. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a great deal for you and exactly. it's probably a great deal for him. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I call him and, uh, he was at my sister's and he was like, Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, cause mom doesn't need the car. Right. Cause well, my argument was I mom's working from home. She doesn't need to go anywhere. Right. I'm also working from home. I don't need to go anywhere, but I need the car. But you want to go. But I, wa- I, I have a desire for freedom. <laughs> Call of the open road. Yes, exactly. Um, and so he was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Like, sure. You don't need to pay me anything. And then he was like, wait, how much is the rental car? I was like, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about how much it is. He's like, well, yeah. a rental car would be <laughs> about $3,000 <laughs> yeah. for this period of time. Exactly. Uh, so I'll have a car. He's going to drive up next weekend and I'm going to drive him home. Okay. That's going to be a lot of driving with my dad. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of that time. <laughs> when was the last time you were in, with your dad, just you and him for an hour? Uh, well, it was definitely pre COVID. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, you know, the the only times that I hang out with my dad where I'm like really ready to lose it are when, and this hasn't been for a while, but I used to take the bus back home a yeah. lot and he would pick me up and then I would just use his car while I was in town and then, you know, take the bus back to the city. Yeah. But those rides to and yes. from the, the bus station were like 45 minutes long each. Uh-huh. And my dad just listens to the same like oldies satellite radio station where it's just the same fucking 10 songs over and over. And he never rides on the interstate because he doesn't want to get pulled over because he got a speeding ticket a few years ago. And it's just like, (laughs) I'm done. And Jesus Christ. So he putters along on these backcountry roads doing like 40 miles an hour. Oh my God. And I'm just like, he's just like, driving along he might talk about the weather or something yeah and i'm just staring at the speedometer like trying to move it with my <laughs> mind like please go faster yeah yeah the whole trip could probably be like 20 minutes oh yeah if you if, wanted to if be. i was driving i would be there in seven and a half minutes <laughs> but then i wouldn't be able to listen to like lollipop lollipop yeah oh my god kill me fuck (laughs) (laughs) i'd be listening to metallica with the fucking pedal to the floor yeah so that brings us to our uh (laughs) our subject of this week this episode we're trying to figure out what to what to review yeah and we landed on metallica's ride the lightning yeah which i gotta say i'm honestly kind of surprised that you wanted to talk about metallica why is that does not seem on brand for you really yeah it's like too what commercial. What is that supposed to mean? Too commercial? Yeah. Huh. I thought you were going to say too heavy. I was like, how dare you? No, no, no. Um, uh, it, it's, um, I would think that you would think Metallica is stupid. Um, I do think they're stupid. <laughs> and that's part of my thesis. <laughs> okay. Okay. Of this episode. Uh, so Ride the Lightning was, I believe, their second studio album. Yes. Uh, came out in 1984. Yes. Um, so... 1984 America, different time. Yep. Um, Reagan, Reagan era. Yes. Different, but also not too different. Yeah. Pretty similar. Yes. In in terms of like like, social. Yes. Social. Yes. Um, So things weren't great in America in 84. Better than they are now. No doubt. Yeah. I remember them being pretty good, but I was four. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. And so this album comes out and... It pretty much shreds. Yeah. 
And my experience with it, my my what what I know of this album, it's the only Metallica album I've really sat and listened to the entire thing numerous times. I've listened to the Black album a couple times, mm-hmm. and like a little bit of Kill 'Em All, a little bit of Injustice for All. They have some other like bangers here and there. Yeah, are you a Metallica fan? Um, I am not a like deep Metallica fan. Yeah. Um, I if Metallica put out an album today, there is almost no chance I would listen to it. Yeah. I would say. Same. Maybe morbid curiosity if right. somebody was like, "Yo, you gotta hear how bad this is." <laughs> <laughs> well, they keep putting out some kind of record every like couple of years. Yeah. Not Very like studio prolific. albums, but like some re-recordings or live uh recordings or what have you or b-sides just to get fans to gobble up some more shit yeah the the thing with metallica is that they have been around for so long yes and they have perfected their thing yes to such a degree that they will always just be able to put out stuff and they will always have an audience for it but the thing that they're because they've been around for so long you there is a real character arc to that band exactly and they they shook me loose. I would say, right around the year two thousand. I would I would say Metallica is America's band. That is my <laughs> argument. They are America's band. Okay. What make what makes you say? So that? let's just back up a little. Bit. Also, let's just say we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you just randomly picked this podcast because you're like a Metallica <laughs> fan or something, just jump ship right now. No, just stick around. <laughs> You might find this enlightening. Um, so they formed in 81 in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. Cut to uh, 1996. Okay. Really skipping over a lot of uh, band development there. Yeah. yeah. But. So 1996. A bunch of stuff happened. Yada, yada. Yeah. I am 14. <laughs> okay. Living in Jackson, New Jersey. Uh-huh. It's a hot summer. It's a hot New Jersey East Coast summer. Just like now. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm I'm 14. I'm trying to grow my hair out. Uh-huh. I'm doing the thing where like I have the long hair up top and I shave it underneath. You know? Yeah. Harkens back to a Jason Newstead. Exactly. And so it was also the look of the time. Yeah. You know? You got a bit of a Jason Newstead head shape too. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> He's not an attractive guy. Uh, I, uh, I, I don't even know if I would call him unattractive as much as I would call him uncanny. Like, yeah, looking at him when I was a kid, Jason Newstead. Just for reference, he's the third base player. Yes, isn't he? Wait, is he the third? Yeah, because there was some guy before that. Oh, then Cliff Burton. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Cliff Burton was the like sort of uh, like legendary bass legendary. Player. Everyone sort of agrees that he was a musical genius. He yeah. died in 1986. Yeah, in a bus uh, accident. In a bus accident. Yeah. So anyway, Jason Newstead was mm. the bass player in the era of Metallica for which they were most relevant to me. Yes, like the Black Album era. Yes, when it, when they were on MTV all the time, and I saw them. And I don't know what the video was, but there is a video where there's sort of like close ups on their faces yeah. while they're like rocking. Yeah. And Jason Newstead just like had this like, yeah, yeah, that fucking like chin grimace. tucked in grimace. Yep. His head was just like a fucking flap of muscle yep. attached to his body. And he had his hair shaved up underneath. And his his long hair was like kind of like 
wispy. Mm. In hindsight, I love Jason Newstead and I wish he never left the band. Really? Yes. Because I think the newest guy, the guy from Suicidal Tendencies or whatever, yeah. he is just the worst thing ever. Why? I hate him. <laughs> okay. He does that like crab walking shit when he's playing his bass. I mm. just want to shove him off the stage. Oh my that guy. I like I want to see Jason Newstead's fucking gross head. But anyway, it, it, it's it it would like trigger. I do kind of have a similar head shape to him. You do, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I looking at Jason Newstead's grimace as a child. He always looks upset. Yeah, he's a very intense. But in like an dude. uncool way. Yeah, like well, you don't you don't take him seriously. He's angry, but like you don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, it would upset me like like in like a reptile brain sort of way. Like my like like I was repulsed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In a way that was like, yes, exactly like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Frank is just looking at pictures of Jason Newstead. Yeah. Highly encourage you to Google Jason Newstead. It's like familiar. a psycho in the eighties. Yeah, but it, it 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 like it's looking at him back then when I was a kid set off alarm bells in my brain the same way like an android coming to life would would set off alarm yeah, bells. Yeah, yeah. Like this thing is going to kill me and needs to be destroyed, and I'm repulsed yeah. and I don't yeah. understand it. Um, he. I, I sort of feel bad. Let's, let's just back up. Let's back up a little bit. So it's it's the summer of 94. Yeah. Is that right? Summer of 96. 96. 96. That's where you took 96, us. yeah. <laughs> I'm 14. Uh, I'm doing this. So I have very, if you've never seen me because it's a podcast, I have very thick, like, um, wavy hair, right? Yeah. Not conducive to growing long. No. Which no one tells you when you're a kid. No, you're you not going to get, like, a gentle, like, like it's Falling not gonna down. yeah it's not gonna like you're not gonna look like Jordan Catalano from my so no, life no I'm not and I'm trying to look like I don't know cool and tough right. you know <laughs> fourteen as every fourteen year old kid is trying to do right which looking back on it is really kind of hilarious yeah like the the sincerity with which you are yes. trying to project coolness and toughness <laughs> into the world as a 14 year old who could just be fucking knocked over by a stiff oh, breeze yeah. i'm like 110 <laughs> pounds i'm wearing like an extra large band t-shirt pearl jam t-shirt no doubt you know i'm probably wearing uh like proper jean shorts yeah um, I'm smoking Newports on my paper route in case anybody <laughs> anybody isn't sure that I am the most badass paper boy in the neighborhood. <laughs> um, and so it's the summer and in you know suburban New Jersey and Jackson, there's just nothing to do really. Mm-hmm. There was camp when I was a little bit younger. I played some basketball. I played roller hockey. Did you go to camp? Uh, camp when I, when I was a kid was just going to the local elementary school and like playing basketball for four hours and going home. Oh, so you didn't, you didn't go to like, you didn't go to like the fucking like sleepaway camp. No, I would have have loved to. When I was young, I ached for that experience. Me too. I didn't do, I basically just hung out in the, in a, um, a blacktop for four hours. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and someone gave me a juice box at a certain point. I was it. I would see like TV shows where like kids are going and sleeping in cabins with other kids yeah. and like, you know, falling in love and learning archery and shit. And I Not was me. like hanging out in a ditch with some other losers until it was time to go Seriously, back to I don't, school. I had to walk through the woods for almost an hour to get to that school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. By myself. I'd show up, play basketball for a bit, for a bit, eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, drink a juice box, go home. Just that, alone. That was camp. So alone. Yeah. And so truly like so much of 
that suburban summer and most suburban summers when you're that age where you can't drive and there's nothing much to do is just being alone and like yeah. hanging out, being hot, like walking around in the woods, playing some sports. And, and I ended up hanging out with this kid, Eric Linsmeyer, mm-hmm. who lived in a different neighborhood, a little bit of a nicer neighborhood than I did. And his mom was kind of never around and, you know, he, he lived in a house. We lived in a townhouse. He lived in a house. We had like more room. He had like a big room, you know? Yeah. And my dad at one point, he knew I was getting into music and he brought a guitar off of his coworker, some guy he worked with. And he, it's like a big, big bodied acoustic guitar. Right. Like Elvis's guitar. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. huge guitar. And he was like, Hey, I got this guitar. And it, like the, uh, the case is kind of like warped and beat up, but the neck of the guitar is also warped. Okay. Like, so you go down like halfway down and like all the frets sound the same, <laughs> but Hey, it's a guitar. Yeah. yeah. You want to learn guitar? You have a guitar. Yeah. What's the problem? What's wrong with this kid? Why doesn't exactly. he like this? Exactly. So, uh, I have this guitar and I'm trying to, Eric and I are trying to start a band, obviously. Right. So I have my acoustic guitar <laughs> that plays I'm, one note. Exactly. <laughs> Jun. That's it. Uh, out of tune. And he, I think had, he must've had an electric guitar. And that was the forming of our first band, which I think was called Dog Meat. Okay. Maybe that was the second name. We were called Face Down at one point. Face Down? Yeah. Yikes. Exactly. Some dark shit. Yeah. We're heavy, man. <laughs> yeah. We're cool. We're tough. So I'm growing my hair long. I'm starting to form my puberty mustache. Right. And when I was at my sister's, I found a photo of me in this, in this time wearing like a green polo shirt, two-tone green polo shirt. And uh, my puberty mustache, some sort of necklace, long hair going. Sick. And, you know, like, if you have thick, wavy hair and you try to grow long hair, like, parted down the middle, it just kind of flips up at a certain point. Yeah. And just kind of goes haywire. Yeah. Not a good look. Yeah. You look like shit. You look like shit. (laughs) You're right. Like one of those nuns with like the yeah. crazy hat. Your, your head just takes on an increasingly large wedge shape. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so this is, this is my look for my summer of Metallica. <laughs> so I ended up hanging out with Eric and all we did was listen to Ride the Lightning. Right. We found this record. We thought it shredded. Can you play that opening riff to uh, Fight Fire with Fire? Oh, yeah. This, this um, you asked me to put this on here and it made the most satisfying drop Button, nice button push I've ever I've ever done. Watch this. Here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> yes, that's so good. I'm gonna do it again. <laughs> let, uh. that play, let that play for a second. So fast. Oh, so good. There it is. Yes. Okay. They're Impossible so, not to love. It's it's so good, and Infectious. there's like. Something like really like kind of crude and almost childish about that beat. Yes. Like the the drumming is so simple. Yeah, but like that Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. like that's that's all Metallica drumming. Yeah. It's like made for like drumming on the steering wheel of your car yes. in the burbs. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and so that that riff is like the soundtrack of that summer. And so all we did was listen to that record and some other like shitty metal. And watch the documentary of them on tour of that era, which is called The Year and a Half of Life of Metallica. Mm-hmm. So that was like a kind of formative. I view that summer as a bit of a turning point for me as a kid. Because Eric 
just wanted to like, he wanted to be a burnout. You right. know, like that was his aspiration. I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he was a like ambitious Hesher kind of guy. Yeah. Um, so he was growing his hair too. He had blonde hair and it was like stringy and long. And I was like really working for him. Right. And like really skinny. And he probably had a jean jacket at some points. Yeah. I didn't. And he was just like on this next level to being like a metalhead kid. Yes. Right. So along with like listening to metal, we start smoking. Right. Which I fucking hated. Fuck. I loved smoking oh, so I never liked much. it. It grossed me out. I was basically scared of it. Yeah. As, as a 14 year old and he was into it and like now we're at the point where we're hanging around like the liquor store and the supermarket asking older dudes to buy us <laughs> cigarettes did you ever do that uh yeah he used to steal them too Ugh, that was a low point <laughs> i'm like i hate this so like things are getting increasingly intense hanging out with eric like we're listening to metallica we're in this band it's not going very well uh you know, and like we just, he's one track mind kind of kid. Like all he wants to do is like the heaviest, most intense thing possible. And just looking for trouble all the time. Yeah. And I'm just kind of a wussy kid. You know, I'm scared of most stuff. I was much shyer than I am now. I just wanted to like kind of play it safe. I want to some Metallica and then go play roller hockey. You know, sure. that's fun. <laughs> uh, I don't want to smoke cigarettes. What was your like self image during that time? Like when you were when you were like wearing a polo shirt and yeah. have and you had a giant wedge head. Like what <laughs> what was your like what were you aiming toward? Did you want to be like a hesher? Uh, kind of. Like kind that's of. What, that's what you saw yourself. I thought it was cool, toward. but I also thought I was. I'm so uncomfortable all the time. Right, is how right. I felt. <clears throat> yeah, I'm just like this is not working for me, and I know it's. And everyone like is kind of laughing at me because I look real stupid. <laughs> if I could like. If there is if there is any one like overarching feeling of youth for me, it's just a complete and total state of discomfort. Yes, totally. Like even if you are doing what you want and what you like and having fun, you are totally uncomfortable the entire time you're doing it. Yeah. You know you look stupid. Yeah. You do look stupid. <laughs> and everyone <laughs> is laughing at you. Yep. And you're trying to find a way to like make it work for you. Right. You know? Like with my hair it was like so puff, poofy and like wavy. I would like try to wear like a, like a winter hat. Yeah. I'm inside to like put, press it down yeah. and like not wash it for a couple of days. But then it just looked like really matted down. Yeah. And I also have like bad dandruff. So like that's not helping my seat, like my look either. Right. So I had this like kind of greasy hair and now I have like dandruff. It's bad. And it's like nothing is working here. And I don't look cool obviously. Right. I just feel always uncomfortable. It's funny because like obviously you learn this. I hope most people learn this over time, but like the real, what you end up finding out is that like you become exponentially cooler when you just accept who you are totally. And you like accept the limits of your appearance. Yes. And yes. that's, that's not saying, when you know your look exactly. Yeah. You, you understand yes. because when you're young, like, you'll fucking like, I can remember wearing shoes that didn't really even fit yeah, because I, I wanted to wear these cool shoes, yep. you know, or like, and just like walking around with like bloody toes thinking <laughs> that it's like somehow making me look cool yep. because the, the thing that I have plenty of to sacrifice for this, like me that I want to be is this me that I am that I fucking hate yes. and I will yes. throw it into the wood chipper if that's what it takes. <laughs> Yeah, it's like trying to be someone else. Yeah. Like, because the whatever you have is not working for you, obviously. 
like no one's picking up what you're putting down as like as Fran. The, right. kid with the kid with a puberty mustache and long hair. Yeah. Like, no one thinks that guy's cool. The, the, it, it's so, like, brutally ironic, though, yeah. that, like, ultimately the lesson that you have to learn is just that, like, this thing you've been trying to kill, like, <laughs> like forever, yeah. that's who you are, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's going to be fine. When did you think you learned that? Um, I don't think I learned that until, like... Until like college, I guess. Yeah. I think it was like, yeah, college. Like a little bit of senior year. When I started going to shows, like punk shows, I was like, oh, this feels better. It seems like. Even going to punk shows, I mean, as much as I love punk music and hardcore and everything, and like I used to go to shows all the time and I was very much like involved in that world. Yeah. Totally felt uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah, me too. But I'm six eight. No one wants me at the show. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. like so there was always this like level of like, oh, I I don't fit anywhere. It felt like more of my people though. Yeah, in terms of interests, yeah. Uh, I not to not to like, you know, make myself out to be so special or anything, but as someone who is like a pretty um pretty intense physical outlier in terms of appearance. Yeah. Um, it like really gave me a perspective on like, you know, the punk community is supposed to be like totally like celebrating all the weirdos and everybody's welcome there. Not really. <laughs> no, um, no. Or like the world of skateboarding. Oh yeah. This is, if you skate, you're cool. You can hang. No, not really. <laughs> uh, there is a, there is a strict, like there are strict There's like hierarchy and everything hierarchy and like codes to yes. follow yes. and like and like yes they are different and and in some ways weirder maybe or like further out but like there is like you know who the hot dudes were at the show Oh yeah. Right. Like you had every local scene had like their wasn't me, their local Fonzie <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't either of us. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, all you're doing is just like recreating a microcosm of the fucking like jocks versus nerds shit that you that you and everybody else here were rejected from in high school. Yep. We're just doing it all over again. Yep. And I was always at the bottom, like in high school. And then even when I found my little niche where we tried to reinvent that, I didn't get to be at the top of that pile either. It was yeah, just, yeah. Uh, that's something that I, I often think about. And I think it was liberating because like I didn't get too caught up yeah, in, yeah. in that shit. I, know, I guess it was. It must have been like later in college where like, okay, this is like more who I am and what I'm trying to do. Um, once he built some self-confidence. But I didn't have any at that time. Um, and so like was going along with everything that Eric Lindsmeyer wanted to do. And so things just got increasingly more intense as the summer went on and just spending a lot of time in his, in his house. He had like black light posters of like Marilyn Manson, Damn. like stuff I was not into. Like, yeah. and I'm like, this is too severe for me. Um, and I remember like, so we're smoking and now it's smoking like every day we're buying cigarettes. And then it comes to the point where we know this guy, Matt has weed. He's, you know, when like in, in high school, you know, the guy who has weed, everybody yeah. knows who he is. Yeah. And so we were going to, he was inviting Matt over. His name is Eric. He's 39 years old. And he hangs <laughs> out in the parking lot. <laughs> and he's always high. He's always talking about a podcast that he does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he never shares, but he has a lot of weed. Um, so he was inviting Matt. I'm trying to forget, remember Matt's last name, but, um, 
over to hang out. And I knew what that meant. That meant we're smoking weed. Hell yeah. I'm like, I'm fucking out of here. I'm s- fuck this. I am out of here. And so we were smoking cigarettes in the woods, as you do. And then Matt was going to meet us in the woods and smoke weed. And I just bailed before Matt got there because I couldn't handle the next level of conflict that I would have had to deal with. Right. And also, like, just not being into it and having to deal with, like, the ridicule of not being into it. Yeah. And remember my dad picking me up. Being a pussy narc. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> being a fucking cop. <laughs> and so I remember my dad picking me up and dreading he's going to smell cigarettes on me and being so fucking terrified. Mm-hmm. And that was the last time I hung out with Erglund's Meyer. I always had the perfect cover for smoking when I was a kid because my friend's mom was a chain smoker. And mm-hmm. so we'd hang out. And even if I didn't smoke, like she'd pick us up from school or something or like, you know, drive yeah. us somewhere. And it, it, she would, she would fucking smoke in the car with the windows up Ugh. and you'd just be sitting in the back seat, like dying, like, like ready to puke. Yeah. And, and, uh, I'd come home and my mom would be like, Oh my God, you smell like an ashtray. And I'd yeah. be like, oh, Ryan's mom was smoking in the car. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But then that just became my cover when I started smoking. Right, right, right. Perfect crime. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I remember my dad picking me up and being terrified and then basically like never calling Eric again. And we, 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 school started like the next week or a couple of days later. And that was it. We just never talked to each other again. We never even said like, let's stop hanging out or there was no like moment. We just decided to part ways. Yeah. And he became a huge stoner metalhead kid. And I just, I don't know. I, I don't know if it, if it was, it's weird how like when you're young, like that happens. You just like completely abandon these social pursuits. Yeah. You'll be best friends with somebody. Yeah. And then like summer hits and then you come back to school the next year and it's like, you don't even know each other. You know? <laughs> and because like right. one summer is actually like proportionately a large segment of your life at that point, yeah. you're like, I, I that you was practically little... lived with me. Like yeah. we saw each other just about every single day and constantly hung out together. But like we never, I never liked them that much. Yeah. Like did you spend, spend a lot of time with kids you didn't like very much when you were totally growing? yeah spent so much time with people I hated yeah, exactly voluntarily yeah yeah I want to go see Eric I hate this kid yeah <laughs> he's gonna fucking make fun of me just yeah. to my face all day long <laughs> and I'm just gonna take it and then I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna have a sunburn and it's gonna suck yeah but so when I think of like super hot summers and being uncomfortable like I am right now I think of Metallica's Ride the Lightning yeah can you play that riff again oh, I'd love to. <laughs> oh, it's so satisfying. Oh man. Oh, I love that. That's a real like rush of adrenaline. Um I don't know if it was like this for you. Uh it, I, I grew up obviously in a small town in Pennsylvania and yep. uh like our cultural awareness yep. was always I would say five to ten years behind the zeitgeist. So like, um, this, this, I mean, this kind of metal to me, um, like this album, 1984, this era exemplifies like the Hesher sound. It does. But also to me, it represents, represents eighties white male America. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, suburban white male perspective was king for a long time, but, uh, the the uh this dude just farts constantly yeah just lets your dog is just a whoopee cushion yeah <laughs> you're right and you are really like in the blast yeah zone right there. i really am um but he looks so cute 
uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So like this particular sound, like pre black album era Metallica is like the Hesher sound to me. Yes. I can see the t-shirts, mm-hmm. the metal up your ass, ride the lightning t-shirts, yep. like all those things. That was like the fabric of my youth. That was the world I grew up in because even though this was like, I would say like in terms of like pop culture relevance, the like Hesher world yeah. was, was like mid eighties to late eighties, right? Yes, yes. Like before glam metal, like, like before early eighties. Yeah. 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 It was like, before hair metal took off. Yes. So like, because where I grew so it was up, like working class metal. Yeah. Like, like if you've ever seen the river's edge, that movie is the perfect yes. snapshot of like Hesher eighties. Like America, Eric, want, we were at this point when things were getting more intense that summer where Eric wanted to like start doing like throwing rocks through windows, lure some kids into the woods and kill them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like do destructive shit just to do it. Yeah. Um, which scared the shit out of me. Well, everything back then was so black and white, you know, like there was, uh, I don't like the, the whole satanic panic thing was happening. Yeah, and I yeah. remember that. Yeah. I remember being a kid in Pennsylvania and like our parents telling us that there's like devil worshipers in the woods. So we shouldn't go into the woods. Was that, was the, the metal, the metal version of that. Was that uh Megadeth? What do you mean? Like, cause there was a whole idea of like censoring metal cause people, kids were killing themselves. Uh, the, no, the, like, I believe that the, f- the actual, there was a court case Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think it was a, a, it was the, um, it was an Aussie song. It was, uh, something suicide. Okay. Uh, fuck. I can't remember <laughs> it, but it's, the song is about like a, uh, like a friend of his who like killed himself through drug like drug addiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um yeah, he was actually taken to court and yes. they they uh claimed that um you could play the record backwards and it said like do it, kill yourself, it's whatever. Ridiculous. And he was like, I'm Ozzy Osbourne, I'm too stupid to do something <laughs> like that. <I'm> <laughs> not a fucking scientist. Um but but uh like that in my youth, like when I was in elementary school, the older kids looked like they were from the movie, the river's edge, yep. like total yes. fucking Heshers. <clears throat> and like it, like the, that, like I cannot stress to you how much that was like what I saw. Like when I looked out the bus window and saw the older kids hanging out on the street corner, they were all like in denim vests with long hair over their faces, like Metallica t-shirts. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck, those kids are so intense yes. and cool. Yes. And, uh, we had this thing, I've mentioned this before on the show. Uh, we had this thing in my junior high called the horizons program. Okay. And it was basically like special needs kids, not special needs. It was like behavioral problem kids. And like, it it was like, they couldn't just throw these kids out of school. So they created this separate school program for them where they weren't in regular classes anymore because they were so fucking insane. Yeah. Yeah. And we had that too. It was all the Hesher kids yep. in this class and they, their classroom was like, we had this stairwell and the, their classroom, the door to it was like tucked in the back of the stairwell. And the only time I would ever see in there was like when somebody was going in or coming out and you just see the door open for a second and you like catch a glimpse of what's yeah. going on in there. And, uh, everybody in there looked like Hesher from the movie Hesher. Yeah. And that's what the movie Hesher is about. It's about like that type of person. Yeah. 
super long hair, and they always wore wrestling shoes. Do okay. You, do you remember that? I remember just bl- like black high tops. Yeah, they used to wear um, black Asics wrestling shoes, the ones that like laced up super high. Okay. Skin tight black jeans, and then like denim vests, and then there were like some some girls too. <laughs> Yo, that that's you know how they say that uh, like for I don't know if it's just men or all all people there is this like uh, time in your adolescence your most formative years yeah where yeah. where like you are mm. it, like your your sexual tastes basically become like imprinted on your brain oh yeah it's the stuff that you're exposed to at that time and like you you sort of it just it becomes so hardwired for you that female hesher look for me when i see that i am just like yo even still now hell yeah <laughs> hell yes wow um but i remember um all those kids like getting in trouble for wearing like the metal up your ass t-shirt and having to turn it inside out yeah. in school and stuff. But I remember, uh, walking down the stairs and knowing that like the horizons kids were like in that room and the door opened and it looked like a mosh pit inside the room when the door opened briefly, like a fucking nice. chair being thrown off the wall, <laughs> like people just like running around and screaming. And I was like, Holy shit, they are so bad as you want to be part of it. No, I was terrified. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like the, I, I, I think I took a picture of my junior high, like of a page in my junior high yearbook. Um, there were this, there was this brother and sister in my hometown who were like the most metal kids I've ever seen in my life. And they had like such awesome metal names. The boy was Sebastian. Of course. And the girl was Casey. Nice. And that is like peak eighties metal. Oh my God. They, they were so metal. It was crazy. And they lived up the street from my friend Tommy. And like they were the kind of people who had like uh like a car seat on their front porch. Yeah. You know, yep. and like their dad is just like hanging out on the front porch drinking with no shirt on. Yep. But and I mean you can really connect the dots and see how people like <laughs> end up in the in the horizons program. But like that I I remember I mean, this is what I'm talking about with the like kind of imprinting on your adolescent yeah. brain, but Casey was so hot and was like, so like the, the, the part, like yeah, she yeah. was so authentically metal and like, I can still, I can still see, like, I can remember like her walking down the hallway and like looking at her out of the corner of my eye and just, you know, it's just like. Oh fuck! Like she turns the corner and it's like, <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm and I'm over by my lockers and I'm like, and, and I'm looking out of the corner of my eye because I know that if I make direct eye contact, she's gonna be like, "What the fuck are you looking at?" Oh yeah, and it was just this like this confluence of like like adolescent boner and fear and all these things yeah. like in my brain that oh man. I wonder what she's doing now. I wonder if she. If, also, I wonder if she was actually hot as a teenager, or just like looked the part for you. Um, I have the receipts, my friend. The junior <laughs> high yearbook does not lie. So I remember a girl named Gretchen, who I thought because I was very into like the Nirvana kid look. Yeah, like kind of like faded vintage sweater, right? Little like 
artier, I guess. That's what the bad kids transition to immediately yeah. after Hesher. Like way moodier. Uh-huh. Yeah. Long and, sweater where the sleeves like hung down to their knees. Yep. And like yep. maybe cut a hole in the sweater to uh-huh. put your thumb through it. Yeah. <laughs> that was my jam. And so there was a girl named Gretchen. Completely asexual body yeah, shape. Yeah, like really sullen. Yeah, wearing yeah. an entire thrift store of clothing. Yeah, like certified mood disorder. <laughs> um, and uh, she she was just, you know, pretty awkward. Uh, but she shaved her head at one point, And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then she dyed it red, like a deep red. And I was oh. like, just take my virginity. <laughs> Please take it. Um, never talked to her, never hung out. We're friends on Facebook now. She's cool. <laughs> I'm just imagining, uh, you know, this like giant pizza shaped head guy <laughs> with like, like a wedge head having his virginity taken by like this, this, uh, you know, basically, buzz like, cut. yeah, it's like basically Kirk Cobain and uh, unplugged <laughs> with a shaped head, but a woman. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, just Ooh. anything. Um, yeah. And so, I feel like Metallica, like that era, and even now, like their arc feels like a story of America to me. Okay. So they set out to like really try to like make something intense and great, right? Yes. And they were very much viewed as like that thing, like Metallica, like those fans and like mid 80s, even late 80s, they were huge. Yeah. And like just a fucking like powerhouse stadium band, right? Yeah. That everyone loved, but everyone thought was like pretty fucking cool too, right? And yeah. intense. <clears throat> As they aged, they just became the shittiest bunch of dudes. Totally. And once someone like you know, for for example, Napster, Napster really sh- like shined a light on the kind of band they are. Right. Turns out they're not interested in like making art and like being cool and supporting fans. They're about making money. Yeah. It's just, it's still a capitalist enterprise. They suffered from overexposure, in my opinion, so hard. Like, so but that's the thing. That's the thing, though, yeah. because they became a, a a capitalist vehicle, totally a money making machine. Yes. they're no longer like we're doing something interesting. Yeah, America. <laughs> yeah, we're no longer like trying to just make something good and support people. Right. It's just. It's just capitalism yes. just run run rampant run amok and i think so yeah if 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 you're to sort of like track the arc of metallica there is this like early hesher days yeah so i would say everything leading up to the black album which like launched them into the stratosphere yes but 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 pre black album they were like the working man's band yeah like like legit credibility metal band a metal fans metal band yeah and they were like of the big thrash bands at the time like everybody was kind of doing the same thing yeah like you had this like intensely fast like fucking palm muted like 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 the songs all kind of sound similar yeah but metallica had this knack of like on ever like even on this album there's like two songs that are iconic songs yes and then the rest is just kind of like yeah it sounds like generic metallica yeah there's like a ballad which is kind of bad there's a couple songs that are just throwaway songs yeah but there's two songs that just shred yeah and that's enough for everybody well there's for whom the bell tolls which is just so do you have that intro fucking this epic i just have uh i'm just gonna pull up the song wait for it i mean this this is like this is where metallica shines yes 
Yes. Oh, my God. It's huge. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Let that sink in. <laughs> oh. This never lets me down, the song. No. Oh, my God. It's so rudimentary, too. Yeah. Have yes. you ever seen the, the video of them playing this in Russia? Yes. And Lars is standing up while he's drumming, <laughs> and he's like going like this, and you see a million people like pumping their fists. Yep. Oh, yep. man. So good. So good. Yeah. Um, and then also uh, Fade to Black, which is the ballad that yeah, you yeah. were talking yeah. about. Uh, that is from what I understand from the Wikipedia page, uh, credited as being like the first power ballad to come out of the thrash metal genre. Interesting. So it's the first time that like a band was trying some, like the, like those moments, Metallica was really good at creating those moments that like expanded people's definition of like what that music. Well, they were a band that was aware of itself, right? They were aware, aware of like what, what the things they needed to do to be a big band. Yeah, they certainly seem to. Yeah. Uh, and you can you can hear it in their sound, like the or the, especially the vocal sound. Like from yes. Kill 'em All. Yes. Kill 'em All sounds like a seventeen year old singing. Oh yeah. And then in this album, <laughs> it's a little bit more uh a washing reverb. Mm-hmm. Like they're definitely like trying to shore up his vocals. And apparently during this era he went for vocal coaching, like mm-hmm. to learn to sing properly. Mm-hmm. Uh but then when you get to I mean the black album you, that's where you get to like the super compressed yes. James Hetfield voice. And then after that, as far as I'm concerned, Metallica is dead. Yeah, and I, I don't care. Yep. Um, the, what was that? Um, like basically the, they cut their hair off era. Uh, I, I remember, I remember exactly where I was when I learned they cut their hair. Yeah. I was like in the hallway of, uh, my high school and someone like passed me some like metal magazine. I was like, what the fuck? Cause they had a new record out <laughs> load. Uh, was it? Give me fuel, give me fire. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> it was that. <laughs> um, and you know, it was obvious that they, they were now an alternative rock band. Yeah, because that's what was big at the time. I think, if I recall correctly, like when they cut their hair and they put out that uh, Load album, I think yes. was it Load. Yeah, I think so. Um, they <clears throat> they did like a promo with MTV where you could win a, se- a sweepstakes and they'll like come play a show in your garage. And I rem- and they did like an hour long special where Metallica shows up at this kid's house and like yeah. plays in his garage or something like yeah. that. And I remember them coming out and they all had short hair, and I was like, what? <laughs> the fuck is going on right yeah. now? <laughs> They're like all of a sudden your dads. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, uh, I mean, I mean, good for them, I guess, like the understanding that the wind was blowing in a different direction and like managing but to that's stay the with point. it. That's the point though, right? Like yeah. that's they, what makes them America's band. <laughs> <laughs> no, my point is they didn't stick to things that they thought were interesting yeah. or like, they were trying to cultivate a sound and we're doing it really well. And they're like, you know what? Fuck it. We could sell more records if we do this thing. Yeah. But I think at that point, like by, by the time the black album came out, which was just the massive, you know, enter Sandman, all that stuff. That was the point at which they were like, okay, we know what we do. Like 
we know the sound. We know they Kirk, were the biggest band in the world then. Yeah, Kirk Hammett's uh, fucking guitar solos, his noodly guitar solos with the uh, with the wah pedal. Yeah. Like that's the Metallica sound. Yes. And with James Hetfield singing in a very particular way with the fucking palm muted guitar, yeah. and then we come in with the guitar solo. Like they have a formula at this point. Yes, and it works. Yeah, and so I think like they just became this machine that cranks out music and makes tons of money and like allows them to become extremely douchey dudes. <laughs> yes, exactly. They got too soft. Yeah. Um, the music stayed the same essentially. I mean, load wasn't a metal record. No, I mean, but it wasn't alternative. It wasn't like, uh, but it, I mean, I think it knew it was catering to that crowd though. Right. Yeah. Pro- I mean, it was definitely like, <clears throat> it was more rock than yes, it was metal. Yes. Yes. Um, so I think like two of the things that like, if you're, if you're trying to just from a high level track the arc of the development of Metallica and like who they are, two major waypoints are, um, the documentary, mm-hmm. some kind of monster. Yeah. I haven't seen that dude. It's like, <laughs> it's like four hours long, right? It's yeah. super long. Yeah. And the so the this documentary follows the recording of the like upcoming album, which I guess is called some kind of monster. It or, is, yeah, yeah. So these guys are so fucking rich and out of touch, and they're so self absorbed too. So unbelievably self absorbed. And at this point, James Hetfield is sober, um, so he's no longer the like young, fun loving like guy sp- spitting a beer guy so into the air. The the documentary that I saw during the, the tours of like Ride the Lightning and Injustice for All, they were just aggressive drinkers. Right. Known for drinking a ton of Jägermeister. Yeah. Just constantly being super drunk all the time. Yeah. I, I saw like, I was looking at clips <clears throat> on YouTube today and there's clips from like, you know, the eighties of James Hetfield, like hanging out on stage drinking while, while Jason Newstead is playing a, a, a bass solo and, and like, uh, he's just walking around drinking beer going like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> like he's clearly so wasted. And I also just wanted to shit on Jason Newstead. Yeah. Um, but th- when you get to the, some kind of monster documentary, he's sober. And like in a, in, in a, a way that is similar to like Brian Wilson from the beach boys, he has hired a full-time therapist who lives with oh him. Oh my God. What and, the fuck? And he's in yeah, the studio the entire time helping to facilitate communication within the band and watching and the therapist wears Hawaiian shirts and, and James Hetfield wears Hawaiian shirts. And he's like, he's like, uh, uh, like a self-obsessed teenager talking about his feelings all the time and watching him do that and impose it on like everybody. And then watching Lars, who is just this, like just the most like, persnickety asshole um like constantly butting up against that is like you you are watching these old rich dudes be so brutally uncool yep uh and like i i actually i have a clip of uh from the documentary where lars is talking about a song they just recorded and the therapist steps in to talk about the song we'll put it um we'll we'll get a new category over we'll call it a DOL, devoid of life, and we'll just put. He's talking about how bad the song, song is. Yeah. We work on it. I, I would interpret that as going forward into this phase of the of the music. 
where it involves making decisions about what to keep and what not to keep. This is their resident therapist. That's good. Let's spend some more time taking away from the few hours we have a day to make music Mm. by talking about psychobabble bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like an inch away from the guy's face saying this to him. And that guy's getting paid his salary by James Heffield, who's in another room wearing a Hawaiian shirt. (laughs) It is so uncool. America's band. This is what I'm saying. So it's like a bunch of dudes who start off like really proud of themselves, right? Like, and like, we are great. Yeah. And everybody loves us. We are fucking America. Right. Yes. And then they, they hit some trauma. Their bass player dies. Right. Yeah. And the way they deal with their feelings and their pain is by just abusing this shit out of the new bass player. They just <laughs> torture him. Yeah. Like relentlessly harass him, make fun of him, just prank him, treat him like shit. Yeah. And then they just like go on and just become this like crumbling, babbling, like garbage band. And they like live with their therapist and wear Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. And become this like capitalist machine. I think that it, I could be wrong about this, but I think it's also in that documentary where they talk about hiring the new bass player. Oh yeah. And they, they audition people and they end up signing that guy. Um, Cause Newsom left the, left the band in yeah. 2001. Yeah, so I think it was it was in in the documentary where they're auditioning people, and uh, this guy is his name Trejo. Is that his last I don't name? Know. Um, I don't know. He's he's. I think he was in suicidal tendencies. He's yeah, like he a guy who's been in the scene for a long time. Excellent bass player, evidently. Mm-hmm. Um, he they, and like I remember the like the the footage of the meeting where they tell him that he's hired. And they give him a $3 million sign-on bonus to join Metallica. And it's like, this is the least badass, least metal thing ever. You're just watching. You're hiring a metal bass player and giving a $3 million sign-on bonus. Like, the amount of money that these guys are talking about. Well, you're signing into a corporation, basically. Right. Right? Like, you're the the new CEO. It just destroyed the like mystique of the band. Yes. You just want to imagine them being like metal dudes who are like writing badass music because it's badass. You want to assume they care about something, but they don't. They care about making money because they're America's band. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the other waypoint on the arc of lameness that is Metallica. (laughs) Yeah. Did you see, what was the movie called? It was, it was not a documentary. It was like a movie that takes place in the Metallica like universe. I don't know. It's about this kid. He's like trying to get to a Metallica show or he has to go like do a delivery to someone at a Metallica show. Hold on. Let me see this Metallica movie. I'm sorry. Um, what is this out movie through the never? I don't know that. Oh my God, dude, it is so lame. Okay. As the rock band Metallica performs a roaring set for fans in a sold-out arena, a young roadie named Trip is sent on a mission to meet a disabled truck and retrieve a particular item. However, the routine task turns into a surreal odyssey when Trip's van is hit by another vehicle. It is... Doesn't it feel like you're listening to Donald Trump? <laughs> it, you, you would not believe how lame this movie is. So you follow this character, right? At the beginning of the movie. I haven't seen the whole thing. I only saw the first half because it was just unwatchable. Yeah. But he's at the Metallica concert at the arena, like where they're loading in. Yeah. And there's this whole like, you know, backstage area and all the members of Metallica arrive separately as a way of being like introduced in the movie. And like the first one is like 
James Hetfield shows up like in a muscle car screaming through the oh parking lot and he's like hey kid and then the you know I'm sure fucking Kirk Hammett like climbs out of Gravedigger or something <laughs> but the I don't remember like what each person's thing was um but when when he when he sees the um the bass player for the first time he's like walking down this hallway and the bass player is practicing in like his like practice room and the whole building is shaking like the whole, because they want you to know that like his bass is really intense Yeah, and he walks past the doorway and he's like in there doing his like crab walking bass thing and rattling the, the arena with his intense bass playing. And like, you know that when they were making this movie, they had to like sit down with each member of Metallica and be like, okay, we need to introduce each one of you as a character. Like what's the most badass way. So fucking lame. Like what, how, how, how would you like to be introduced? And then you get like, they had to like, think about like what would be super badass playing a loud bass. Oh, but it's like, it, it's cartoonish in the yeah. way that there's like dust falling from the ceiling and the fucking things are shaking. Like it's so dumb. You, did you watch this whole thing? Half of it. Yeah. I couldn't get through it. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> did you watch it because you still like, do you still think of Metallica as a band that like you care about in some no. way? Somebody told me it was terrible and I had to see like <laughs> what was going on. I, th- I feel like guys our age have some sort of like faint, like love hate affection for them. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, I hate like, cause you love the old stuff. Yeah. And it's undeniable. Yeah. And you know, the new stuff is going to be bad, but like if there's any Metallica news, you want to know what it is. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, like, if I'm looking through Google News, you know, and I see that James Hetfield is in rehab again, I'll click through and see. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, when did he fall off the wagon again? Last week? Okay, cool. There's a great, very iconic photo of him shopping somewhere in Midtown, Mm -hmm. right? Like, him, like, um, he has, like, a Louis Vuitton shopping bag, and he's wearing, like, sandals and shorts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Board shorts? Yeah, yeah. I I have seen that photo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, My my roommate in college was from Morocco. And he was like the biggest Metallica fan, like loved him. And uh, one day he was, this was after we weren't living together anymore. And he, he was living in Paris and he was like sending me all these messages on instant messenger. And he was like, James Hetfield is at the cafe right outside my apartment right now. And he was like hanging out of his window with a digital camera, like taking pictures of James Hetfield, like sitting at a table and was sending them to everybody on the internet. And I was like, no one cares about this band anymore, dude. <laughs> what do you? I would still care if I saw James Hetfield somewhere. Yeah. Also, I think that like he, uh, you could argue that like metal is much more uh, important in like Europe and and yes, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like they have one song on that record that sounds like a German metal song. Really? Like it sounds like it appeals to like a European crowd. Hmm. I forget what song it is, but weird. Um. Yeah, so uh, that's our review of Metallica's Ride the Lightning. America's Band. America's Band. I really f- feel strongly about that. I feel like I don't have a fully formed thesis yet. Maybe I should have figured that out before we started recording. Do you remember <laughs> at the, like, right around the millennium, there was the, uh, the live album they did with like, the San Francisco Orchestra? Yeah. I, I remember that being a big like, celebration of Metallica. Yeah. Like, there's been, like, Metallica's been around for so long that there has been multiple moments where it was like a retrospective. I think the zeitgeist, like I, I, they don't care about Metallica, but people will always pay attention when they do something there. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that they're, they have a great logo. Their loyal audience will never 
let them go. Yeah. Right. Like they could keep putting out albums for the next 30 years and people will buy them all. Yeah. Which is great, I guess. Um, but this album, like again, two shredding songs, the rest is pretty much garbage, <laughs> not garbage, but like, you know, like mediocre metal, like fine metal. Yeah. Um, and then I think, do you have a favorite Metallica album? Um, because like those three, those like and Justice for All is basically the same record. Master of Puppets is pretty similar too. Yeah, they put out three very similar records. Yeah, the thing is like, what? So when when you look at all, so Kill 'Em All is a great album. Yeah. Um, when I drove uh, across the country and then across Canada, Kill 'Em All was one of the few albums that we actually had in the car. So I've listened to it so many times. <laughs> Uh, and it's just like really high energy thrash. Yeah. It's kind of before Metallica, like really like focused in on their Metallica sound. So it's a little dirty and like more more fun, I think. But the thing about Metallica is like the, the three albums that came after kill them all. So it's like kill them all ride the lightning. Yep. Master of puppets and justice for all. And then the black album. Right. Yep. Those three albums, I think, I'm speaking, well, I'm speaking for myself here. I think of them as almost one album. Same here. Because each, if you, like, if you cut out all the fat from those three albums, you're left with one really solid album. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But, but the bangers across those three albums are so good. Yes. Like, so good. Like, transformative, like, uh, like, so the. Uh, I was going to hit the. Oh, you want, you want, you want this one more time? <laughs> so good. Oh, yeah. If I can get a, a full record of that, yeah. sign me up. Yeah, just do that over and over. <laughs> um, but the thing was, like, they were, for those three albums, amongst the just thrash metal filler that sounded like Megadeth or yeah. anything yeah. else, they had these like great moments that were like re- really set them apart. Yeah. And it was like, honestly, the slower songs. Yeah. Usually yeah. it was like sanitarium or one or all the ones that had these like kind of theatrical buildups or even, uh, for whom the bell tolls, you know, yeah. it's sort of like this atmospheric thing that they were able to do that. Like other bands like kind of weren't great at. Yeah. Uh, and then in the black album, then they had some like ballads and that, launch them into like radio radio success but favorite song bang for your buck album is the black album i know that that's that's probably sandman i don't love the song enter sandman i guess but it's not bad i mean yeah what's there's a song on the black album that i feel like is uh under so i feel like it doesn't shred as hard you're right. It doesn't. And yeah. that's, I think that's why, uh, it was so big. Yeah. Right. Um, exactly. I think nothing else matters is so horrible. Yeah. That I, I cannot, you can't fucking, really sing. That's why it's their, uh, most played song. No, nothing else matters is enter Sandman is their most played song. Yeah. Nothing else matters is second to uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, black album came out in 91. That was one of the first CDs I ever owned. Hmm. I got it for Christmas. I got that. Pearl Jam 10. Hmm. And I want to say Michael Jackson Dangerous. Mine was um, <laughs> Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails and Nirvana's uh, Incesticide. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, they really, like, the, the guitar sound got so thin. Yeah. 
But this 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 song rips. What song is this? Sad but true. Oh yeah. But it's all the songs are like much more plodding. There's yeah. no. It's not thrashy. Yeah. It's more of a like a stompy groove to the songs. It's so right. Yes. It's so obvious how they laid the groundwork for like all like hardcore and metal. Yeah. Like a lot of hardcore, like in the next ten years, is just all Metallica. Um, Welcome Home Sanitarium, I think, is one of one of my favorites. Might be my favorite. It's so atmospheric. This is Welcome Home. Yeah, I don't think I know this song. Really? Yeah, oh, it's such a jam, and it's it's like another one of those songs where it's like one, you know, where they're like yeah, telling yeah. a story about a fucking sad, or sad something. guy or whatever <laughs> the fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it really tries to do the perspective of like the the down and out white dude, white American. Yeah, right? I like that Metallica is like that's their storybook. There is a there's a clip from <clears throat> um, from uh, give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. <laughs> there was a, a vocal <sighs> a piece in there that I was going to isolate where he says black and white, uh-huh. and uh, I was just going to isolate where he says white. Because I thought it would be a great thing to yeah. say because it's incredibly white music. But he says, white! <laughs> Black and white! <laughs> so good. We have to keep, keep that as part of the board. The ooh. Oh my God. Um, let's see. Uh, did I put any other. No, I don't have that. Was those were I'm using this the the limited drops on here today, so that, that's all I'm. I think it's enough. Okay, um, I mean it, he's great for like if you're looking for um, isolated vocal drops that are like funny, yeah, like yeah. David Lee Roth style. James Hetfield's got some. Yeah, he's got a lot of oohs and ahs, <laughs> and his voice is like so kind of particular too. Yeah, um, it's very laughable. I find. Yeah, like it's hard to take anyone in the band seriously. Yeah, I so like. I saw him, he, he did Joe Rogan last year, I think where uh-huh. he talked about sobriety and stuff. Um, but like right around that time, I don't know, they were touring or some shit. And I remember they showed a video <clears throat> of James Hetfield, like playing or getting ready to play or whatever. And he, he didn't look like a metal guy. He looked like a guy dressed up as a metal guy. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he didn't have like, like you could tell the denim vest that he was wearing was a very expensive denim vest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. And that bummed me out so yeah, hard. Yeah. Also, he has a straight edge tattoo. Does he? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Cause when he gave up drinking, he, uh, he decided to go straight edge nice. and he has like a straight edge tattoo right here. That's cool. Yeah. And he's, you know, been in rehab like five times. Since <laughs> Legendary drunk apparently. Yeah. Um, I support this straight edge tattoo and while drinking. <laughs> Yeah, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, he's like clearly got like yeah, major, it's a serious problem. Problem. Yeah, it's not but, funny, but um, I support but, it. Yeah. <laughs> I like. I really wanted some like three X's right here on my calf when I was like sixteen. Whew. Right there. Pretty glad I didn't get it. Yikes! Yes. Um, or I wanted like the switchblade, the open switchblade. Is that a is that a straight edge thing? Yeah, like oh, a straight edge razor. Yeah, and it, like a, with a scroll, it said like true till death or some something stupid yeah, yeah. i i have a Stay friend true. who uh uh i love to death wonderful gal uh she has a huge tattoo like a huge chest piece and it's got like a straight razor thing in it and she's straight edge and still is actually you know what does it say i, I can't remember i want to say i want i don't i i'm pretty sure it says like 
fuck, this is so 90s, like hardcore kid shit. Yeah. It says like, break my heart and I'll break your face or Ooh. something like that. You know, this brings me to something else <laughs> I've been thinking about like kind of recently. Yeah. Um, uh, so I've been watching, you know, we, we got this new house and I have a, a garage now with a workshop where I'm like going to start building furniture and stuff. I watch woodworking videos a lot on YouTube, uh-huh. um, both for, for ideas and because I find it therapeutic. It's just yeah. very calm, yeah. you know, to watch a Japanese guy build a, build a bench. <laughs> oh, that's like, that's like taking a quaalude. Sure. Sure. But, um, <laughs> a lot of these, there are certain people who, um, you know, they're doing these videos on YouTube and it's like this old house. Yeah. They're like, all right, let's head over to the router table and we'll do this. You know, like, like it's, it's like the most like straightforward, like, public television presentation of something. And I'll always catch a glimpse here and there of like, you know, the sleeve of that, like uh, flannel shirt will pull up a little bit. And I'm like, Oh, that guy's got sleeves underneath. Yeah. Like this is a, probably a former hardcore kid who's now like, you know, doing this old house in his garage. And, uh, I was thinking about, you feeling seen a little bit. No, no, no. I was thinking about how ridiculous it is or was, um, that we all went so all in on that, on the, on that look, you mean that look, just that worldview, <clears throat> that yeah. style. Yeah. Yeah. Like it I was mean, like the hipster look for a long time. Yeah. Like scenester was pre hipster. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Scenester totally. was like, get a sleeve with some koi fish and some waves on it and a oh fucking thing. And uh, so many fucking koi fish swallows and like there, a nautical star. And there you go. Yeah. And now you're a scenester. Get a studded belt and some cargo shorts. I Boom. mean, some camo shorts. But like, we just went all in. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so glad I don't have anything that's like of that era. Like, I, I don't, I never got a tattoo that was like that. Or like, I never really dressed that way. Yeah. I mean, I, I never like fully committed to that. I mean, I mean, I think that if I were like, if I were the fawns of my scene, I'd have fucking koi fish sleeves right now <laughs> and I'd be staring yes. at them every day going, what does this mean? What is this bullshit? What, what is this? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> but I, I, I think about that a lot. Like, and I guess everybody's generation probably feels that way. Sure. Like, like there's rappers now there's fucking kids in the burbs who are getting face tattoos right yeah, now because crazy. rappers do that. And like, and they're like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's going to be normalized. Like, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's probably not. I don't know, man. Like it, it's probably not. You're going to like 20 years from now, you and your friends are going to be like, Oh man, remember when we liked SoundCloud rap and we thought that was like, <laughs> now I have like a UGB tattoo on my face. <laughs> we thought that was it forever. Yep. And now I have jigsaw from the movie saw riding a tricycle across my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, even, to your point, I still thought those kids were kind of cool. Oh, totally. They all wore like diesel jeans. You, I mean, like, like I, I always think of it as like the dashboard confessional look. Yes. The yes. full sleeves down that to the wrist. Crazy now. Oh, my God. He looks what like, is he doing? He looks like Dave Navarro. Like, what is your happened to your haircut? Who gave you the crazy haircut? I don't know. He, just, he, like, he joined Jane's Addiction. He looks yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I don't. This is this is a fucking young man's game. You know, yes. these these yes. these things don't age well. I do not. But uh, yeah, I remember seeing Toby from H2O on, um, it was like one of those house swap games, house swap shows. <laughs> yeah. It was like him and his wife uh, trading, trading spaces. He was on trading spaces? Yes. 
Who did, who did he trade spaces with? Like, like some other like suburban LA couple. Jamie Josta from Hatebreed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I guess this is cool. Oof. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I've just been thinking about that a lot recently. Uh, Cause like, you know, you're seeing these like 40 to 50 year old dads with those like very, you, the koi fish tattoo, like the koi fish sleeve yes. is like the thing. Yes. I think about that all the time. The now. nautical like, stars. Oh, nautical stars. Yeah. yeah the, the sparrows. <laughs> yep. Whatever. Yep. Um, all that shit that like, we j- it, like we just went so all in on a permanent thing. Yep. And everybody's gauge doing out your ears. Yeah. Oof. Everybody's doing that again now. And like, not the gauging out the ears and shit yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. but like face tattoos yeah. and, and shit like that. And I'm like, Oh man, we were so confident when we were 20. <laughs> like we fucking thought <clears throat> we thought emo and pop punk was it, man. I really wanted a, a lip <laughs> ring so badly. That was like too much of a pussy to like actually get one. Yeah. I thought it was, looked really cool. I was never so really glad I didn't. So glad I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, man. What if I, I, I'm not trying to condescend because like, you know, I was, I was there. Of I was er- in it. Of an era. But like, man, in 2020, when you see somebody with like their, their eyebrow pierced. Oh my God. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, are man? you like, are you a mess? <laughs> what the fuck what happened? is happening? Man? Where have you been the past 20 years? <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah. I remember like, maybe it was like six years ago. I went on a date someone and she showed up and she had an eyebrow ring. I was like, what the fuck? Like, what, like, like a hoop with the ball in it. Like, what? Like, did you just come from like a 311 concert in 2001? <laughs> like, what are you doing? But that's, uh, that's the thing, Frank. Uh, much like Metallica, we all grow and change. You know? <laughs> America's band, Metallica. Yeah. None of us are spared from this. It's true. Uh, you want to do top three? Uh, yeah. Do you have a topic? No. Well, let's pause for a minute. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. I'll pause it. Just play the fucking intro. <laughs> you, you are listening to Frank and Eric's. You're going to feel strong pressure on the prostate gland from inside your rectum. Top three showdown. Still the best work I've ever done. <laughs> I am proud of it. Yes, I'm very proud of it. Um, so <clears throat> we we took a bit of a nostalgic turn there at the, at the end. Yes, and I was thinking, uh, uh, this is something I do frequently. Well, not frequently, but I, I have been known to do. Uh, what are the top three like movies? We'll just go with movies, but I guess it really could be any media. What are the top three movies? that you reach for, for to feel the pangs of nostalgia, hmm. like, like that really kind of take you back to a place, make you feel a certain way, whether it's good or bad or like, you know, it's probably a movie you like watch. You've seen a million times, yeah. but it like immediately puts you in a place. Okay. The first thing I'll say, the first thing that comes to mind is what a hot American summer. Um, because of, because of what's depicted in the movie no, or because of, because of, of the, the time I watched it. Yeah. I love that movie. I find it extremely funny. Totally. Um, but I watched it in a time when I was like with a group of friends that was like a very tight little group and like an extremely fun time. Um, and 
we just we were obsessed with it. It's all we did was watch that movie for a summer. And yeah, it's just like everything about that movie reminds me of like the, those kids in that time and yeah. I yeah, uh, I I have a similar connection to that movie too. Like that was my favorite movie in like one in my first year of college. Yeah. And I remember like introducing so many people to it. Yes. And like <clears throat> Like I, I can remember being in my first college apartment with my roommates and like we went and bought some beers and like had it on TV and we're all just kind of like laying around in the living room watching it and just like laughing our asses off and just like, yeah, that's a, that was like a, such a, that was a period of time where I didn't really have a care in the world either. Yeah, so yeah, it was just yeah. like, it was just fucking hanging out and laughing. I remember like we were watching it and we had to pause it cause we were laughing too much and we were like missed scenes and I like don't. I don't recall a time recently where I laughed that hard at something. It's been a long time. Did you watch the making of documentary? No, I don't think so. I think, I think it's on Netflix and it came out when they did the sequel, Um, the sequel, which is like fine, but not very good. Um, But they did a making of documentary. It's all this footage that people shot on the set when they filmed the original. Mm -hmm. And it is like, if you want to feel sick, with nostalgia, <laughs> like watching that thing you love being made by those people back when they were young and like not, yeah, not yeah. realizing that it's going to be as good as it is. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Like it's almost too hard to watch. That's what's so good about the movie though. Cause it, it doesn't feel like it's trying that hard. Yeah. I feel like they had a good idea and like, there's like a kind of absurd premise and just like thought, I think they thought it was funny for themselves. It felt like they were making it for themselves Yeah, a bit. And I think that's why it works. There's like a casualness about it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's like the, by the, obviously by the time the sequel comes around, it's like they, they like created a genre of comedy. Yes. Of it. So yes. like it doesn't, it doesn't feel as like naive and raw. Yes. There's like the, the best thing about the movie, the first movie is that it has this like lack of self-awareness about it. Yeah. Which I think is very effective. Like you're saying it's very sincere. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I can't really watch it now, to be honest. I've seen it so many times. Yeah. And I, I, I have a little bit of trouble watching it now. Just doesn't do it for you anymore? No, I just don't want to like sit there in this nostalgia fest. I find yeah. there's something uncomfortable about it. Like I, I resist nostalgia to a certain extent. Yeah. Nostalgia <laughs> is really poisonous. Yeah. And I feel like I'm not progressing by watching it. Yeah. You can lean way too hard into nostalgia. Yes. And I think that people do that at our age. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like it's just easier and more comforting to be like, I'm just going to keep doing that. Yeah. And, um, but sometimes it just feels good. You yeah. know, sometimes yeah. you're like bummed and you just gotta like, yeah, I was trying to watch something light recently, something funny before bed and I couldn't find anything on like all the streaming platforms. So I went to the office, mm. which I, which I like. Yeah. It's funny. And that's not something I think about. It, and I feel that same kind of like guilt watching it. Like I'm not progressing as a human by watching it. Yeah. But it's fucking funny. It's so funny. And I, it's so easy and light. And it's so fucking funny. Oh, uh, it's so comforting to watch. Yes. I know that it's <clears throat> insanely basic. Yes, exactly. I watch it all the time. Really? Like, like if there's, if I don't feel like going to bed, you know, I got like, you know, like I'll just put it on, put on one episode and just sit there. And like, it's just like, visiting never lets me down yeah yeah it's gonna make me laugh yep it's it's always sort of like positive you know it's not it's not a bummer in any way totally and like that i watched an episode where meredith is like sleeping with a guy for steaks yeah (laughs) so fucking funny i know you know will's never seen it never seen it no 
on, on principle or what? I guess. He yeah. just doesn't. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. And I keep telling him it's funny. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's really fucking it's funny. funny. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the most like intense nostalgia bomb is, uh, Here's the thing. It's possible to feel nostalgic for things you didn't experience. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, what's the, um, is it Adventureland? Mm-hmm. That, that movie is just like the most, yeah. I mean, the movie itself is nostalgia. Yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah. like I understand right. that that's like what it's trying to capture, but like I buy into it so hard. Yeah. The like coming of age story of uh, like, young guy who's in love with mm-hmm. somebody who's mm-hmm. out of his league and like yep uh that brings me to my next selection which is rushmore because oh. oh my god rushmore i i mean i still love i also have a bit of a hard time watching it now but when i first saw it i was like oh my god this is my favorite movie yeah this movie understands me so deeply totally <laughs> and i i, I saw it like three or four times in the movie theater yeah with my friends and my friends were like, ah, this is good. It's kind of weird. And I was like, I love this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like how awkward he was and like, just like the angst and like the misunderstoodness and the unrequited love. And I was like, perfect. And just like aesthetically, it was so interesting yes, at the time. Yes. Yes. Like it, Wes Anderson's whole thing wasn't his thing yet. Yep. It was just like, yeah, I remember watching that and being like, Oh, Oh my God, this this movie was made to be discovered by me. Yes, like, exactly. Oh. Yes. Um, I have a similar feeling about the Royal Tenenbaums. Mm. I can't watch it. Like it is so rooted in a time yes. and place in my life. I was such an, like, I was such an emotionally raw person at that time. Yeah. That's my number two. Like, yeah. I, I think it, I, I would like, <clears throat> I'm not sure I could even be in a room with another person if I sat down to watch it, it's just too intense. <laughs> Why that more than uh, Rushmore? I'm not really sure. Uh, I think that uh, Royal Tenenbaums is a little more, um, it deals a little more directly with depression. Yeah. I think yeah. in a way that like, it's, a little, it's definitely heavier. Yeah. It spoke to me a little bit more. Um, yeah. I think, I think of Rushmore as more of a comedy. You no, know, it, it is. Yeah. It's, it's a definitely, it's like a dark comedy, but it's sort of like, um, misunderstood boy yeah yeah i i guess like uh, like i was able to just sort of like attach my feelings to the royal tenenbaums a yeah, little bit yeah, more yeah but, oh my god that movie yeah um and i'm trying to think of like an album that that hits that same notes and there's a couple um all of which are pretty embarrassing and i, I don't really listen to much anymore but one that comes to mind is uh through being cool by saves the day yeah. Are you a fan of that record? No. Yeah. It's too corny? Yeah, I never got into that band. Yeah. That just, they didn't do it for me. So that album, it's funny because like the first two records are basically a lifetime ripoff. Yeah. Um, there's that. There's some Texas The Reason is a little rough for me. Yeah. Um, honestly, even Poison the Well. Yeah. That first album, yeah. Opposite of December. Yeah. I can't listen to that. Like, yeah. It's too, it's, it's, it's too of that era. It's too of that era and like just so transparently like broken-hearted young boys screaming yes <laughs> yes um and i just loved it when i was like what 18 yeah. or no like 19 um i'm trying to think what else i'm just like picturing myself wearing uh 
red polo shirt that I got from a vintage store <laughs> and like old school vans and like feeling uncomfortable and like what was the emo record that I loved the most at the time. Yeah. A lot of at the drive in I feel a similar way about. Uh-huh. But for me, um, I'll make my last one. I know I said movies, but I'll make my last one a record. Uh um promise ring, nothing feels good. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That to me is the yes. sound of summer. Yeah, yeah. Like blasting that album mm, in my car record. with the windows down, and it's like it's the first night where like the weather's warm enough to have your windows down in your car, and like oh, to man. me that fucking album, driving around and being sad, and like wishing my life was more interesting than it was. Yeah, like to me that's like summers in suburban New Jersey, like yeah. driving down the highway, like you're saying it's like a little too late, and. Yeah, all the, all the windows are down. It's nice and cool. You're alone. It's like just you and your music, you know? And like, it's so rare you have that experience now. And you're young and you're like <clears throat> on the cusp of like other things happening and you yes. don't know what they are. Yes. And like nothing is quite happening just yet. Yeah. Like you're not, you know, you're not sort of, you want to be in love with someone, but you're not. Yeah. So anyone who shows you interest, you're sort of like, can I be in love with this person? Yeah. Um, and you're listening to all these songs that are like intensely about yes. like love and stuff. And yes, you're like, yes, wow. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I remember, so I remember like drawing caricatures and there was this girl that worked there who was like part of our crew, part of our friend group who was like cute, troubled, you know, but cute. Um, and we ended up like making out one night and I just became totally obsessed with her. Yeah. For no, only because she showed me affection. <laughs> right. Like I, I didn't feel strongly about her as a person and I wasn't like, Oh, this is my soulmate. It was just someone showing me affection who was nice to me. And I was like, Oh, this is, I'm just like, I can't stop thinking about this. Yeah. You no. Know? Um, Oh, you're the person I can plug into all of these like fantasies exactly. that I've had that I get from this music I listen to and all this crap. Exactly. And that to me felt like, a lot of just, you know, being a teenager in, in suburbia, it felt like looking for something to plug all that like angst and desire into. Yeah. It's a wild time. It's like wild when, time. It's like when James Hetfield hired that, that <laughs> therapist. Metallica's America's band. That's my argument. That's my argument. Yeah. Well, that was our top three. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to come back with like a tighter thesis on this, but I, okay. I still admit, I stand by it. Okay. Yeah. He's going to start uh, like a seven episode limited podcast series. Honestly, uh, I started reading the Wikipedia page about them before we recorded and I got exhausted by it. I was like, I don't care. Let's just do this. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll do some true research yeah. and I'll map it to like 1980s, like Reaganism. And we'll, we'll find it. We'll yeah. There will be a singular theory <laughs> yes, of how yes, Metallica exactly. is America. Yeah. Band. It'll be a release on a New Yorker podcast in the next <laughs> six months. It'll be a much more serious tone. Yeah. An investigation uh, <laughs> into Metallica. Uh, yeah. So, you know, go listen to some old Metallica fucking seriously, get in your car and roll the windows down and fucking let it rip. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Mm. Give me fuel, give me fire, <laughs> give me that which I desire. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, all right, that has been uh, Frank <laughs> and Eric's review of Ride the Lightning. 
We are a comedy and self-help podcast. <laughs> Please keep wearing a fucking mask. And I hope Metallica comes after us for this episode. Yeah, they probably will. They're going to sue us <laughs> just for saying their name. Yeah, listen to this shit while you can because it's probably not going to stay online for very long. Exactly. Uh, and, uh, you know, everybody, just do your best, you know? Just be cool. <laughs> um, don't fall prey to nostalgia while you're stuck in your apartment, you know? Uh, don't watch too much of The Office. Don't watch too much of but Rushmore. Like, watch but watch just enough to make you feel good. Yeah, it's all right to feel good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, you can get us on Twitter at Frank and Eric, Frank at FrankandEric.com, Eric at FrankandEric.com, and uh, we have a newsletter thing you can sign up for, but we're extremely lazy and haven't sent anything out. Um, That is in the show notes. All these links are in the show notes. Uh, Just stay safe and stay positive. Oh, is a metallic t-shirt All I want is a metallic t-shirt But mother won't let me She says they are evil Why can't we just be So see myself walking down the halls Wearing all of the blood on kill them all All I want is a metallic t-shirt All I want is a metallic t-shirt But mother won't let me and I Christians It's just a t-shirt Why won't she listen to me? Master of puppets is my favorite one Everything about it is so awesome The hands and the strings in the cemetery Something about it just feels like me All I want is a metallic t-shirt All I want is a metallic t-shirt But mother won't let me She says they are evil can we just be regular people? Why does everything have to be about God all the time? Why does everything have to be about God? A metallic t-shirt. 
smirk on my face and a skip in my step. All I want is this metallic tea. Sure. 